Aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, saudi kurup, guten tak, jiao weevi va cat bang, half a day, jai jinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, and maybe ignore North Korea, from the new right left, uh, new left right coast of the genetically mutated McNugget pharmaceutical vivisection prison killitary industrial court for nation in the cheese covered post-constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy democracy criminocracy unchallenged by meteocracy foodborne in the nsa nra cia usa home of uncle sam manila where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the wall street backed corporate diet of death disease and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Ooh, it's our special animal rights conference program. So uh, tell your friends, tell your friends. This is our animal rights conference edition, which uh, probably means at some point I will be talking about this uh, so-called animal rights conference. Uh, but uh, before I get upset about that, I'm sure there must be something else about which to become upset. Um, I didn't end the sentence with a preposition there. So, anyway, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to do this weekly program. Um, I need this distraction from the real fake, real fake world. Um, Although, I must say, and uh, I, I thank me 
from the bottom of my heart, Radio Bobby is doing a pretty good job for me uh, in the distraction department. RadioBobby.com. It is, after all, uh, it's, a, it's like a music lover's religious experience, as far as I'm concerned. It's like uh, it's like meditation for me. So uh, it's uh, I just say, turn up Radio Bobby and turn down the political videos on YouTube. Although I did see, uh, I saw a pretty interesting one the other day. Uh, it was a panel of Democrats uh, discussing what's wrong with the Democrat Party. Um, what isn't what isn't wrong with the Democrat Party at the moment? But that wasn't the question. They were discussing what's wrong with the Democrat Party, and uh, it uh, I don't know. It seems to fit right in with the theme that. Nothing is as it appears to be. Up is down, left is right. Everything is a lie. Um, and people seem to be waking up, supposedly. Waking up to it. So I thought, uh, really, one of the panelists uh, on this YouTube video uh, made a couple of astute observations. Um, one she said, uh, well, the dynamics of this past election were really turned upside down. It was a, uh, it was a contest between a populist billionaire and an elite establishment Democrat. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a joke, you know, sounds like the punchline to a joke, huh? Well, that's the joke's on us. Um, it's a bit of a problem, huh? Right, in that... Uh, you know, the establishment the, uh, and the elitists are not particularly held in high favor right at the moment. So um, that wasn't helpful to the cause of the Democrat Party. And then uh, that uh, panelist made a second point that uh, the Democrat Party used to be the party of the underdog. And uh, people don't see the the you know the, the the banks the the war industry the pharmaceutical industry the media uh, you know they don't, they don't look at the banksters as underdogs do they no and um, then when someone represents those not underdog uh, elite establishment interests and calls oneself progressive well. We don't, we don't even need a laugh track, do we? It's all, it's all beginning to sound kind of like a joke to me. Kind of a joke's on us. Um, and the parallels in corruption with today's so-called animal rights movement are many. Um, it's uh, the animal rights, the so-called animal rights movement has its convention or its conference taking place this week, coming up this week, um, and it too is controlled by wealthy, corporate, superdelegates, I think you could say, you know, setting an agenda uh, contrary to the interests of the animals, uh, and the, but clever propagandists they are, they have the rank and file brainwashed, can't tell 
starting to get cloudy here. Am I talking about the Democrat Party or the animal rights movement? Huh? Clever propagandists have the rank and file brainwashed. Um, and, um, you know, those masquerading as animal advocates are awash in money that, uh, that's financing campaigns of violence, terror, torture, imprisonment, and mass killing. Oh, just like the Democrats do. Uh, since uh, the Democrat Party has become a party of warmongers, the animal rights movement is a party of war on animals. I mean, what is the platform of this animal rights movement? Cage-free eggs? Everyone is killed, tortured, imprisoned. Everyone. All the babies. You know how they how they always uh, get us to go off to war because they say somebody in country X um, is a dictator and he's leaving he's leaving all the babies on the floor he's ta he's taking them all out of the incubators and killing the babies we have to go to war um, with the animal rights movement all the babies are being killed it's all you know, not just the ones out of the incubators, although there are many in the incubators because you know they have to they have to be eaten too. But a hundred percent death rate—that's uh, a great platform, huh? You know, in the interests of the animals, uh, we support a campaign that imprisons. Well, the, the babies are all ground alive, you know, or suffocated right after birth. All the male babies. The females are all mutilated, tortured, imprisoned. Guantanamo. Uh, we're going to close Guantanamo. Um, well, we're going to close down the egg industry if we go vegan, but the animal rights industry uh, supports cage-free eggs. Uh, what else is it supporting at this week's conference? Oh, eat less meat, eat less meat. Eat meat, eat meat, but eat, eat less meat. Um, Eat lab meat. I think now uh, lab meat has been renamed clean meat. Uh, eat meat. Meat, meat, meat. Eat eggs, eat meat. What, what, what kind of animal rights conference is this? Uh, you know, have, have yourself a, a cage-free egg cheese omelet with uh, crate-free bacon. Uh, what is this conference? It's for... It, it's for in the past and presumably now this conference has been for enriched cages bigger cages smaller cages no cages but death for all you know cages or not it's, it's death for all and uh, at this conference some years back I spoke out against this betrayal of the animals the, all of these groups reversing their positions they were against furnished battery cages and then they all became partners with the United Egg, United Egg Producers and uh, suddenly they were all for exactly what they were opposing yesterday. Yesterday they were against uh, enriched battery cages, furnished battery cages, modified battery cages, saying they were detrimental to the physiology and psychology of the birds suddenly they all enter a partnership with United Egg Producers and they are campaigning for these enriched, furnished, modified cages. And I, I made that observation at the Animal Rights Conference a few years ago, concerned about the, uh, the turnaround. 
And what happened? Alex Hershef, the organizer with Farm, organizes this uh, scam, scam fest that's happening this week. He condemned my talk. My talk was condemned. I can't speak at this conference. Apparently, if you want to speak at this conference, you have to be for eating animals or eggs or dairy. So, um, this animal rights conference should be for the underdog. It shouldn't be for the industries of animal exploitation. It should be for the underdog. But, you know, underdog and actually all dogs, uh, just like the cows and pigs and, and chickens, really need to fear this conference, to fear the leaders of this animal rights movement and their groups. Case in point, the ultra-wealthy Humane Society of the United States, which owes much of its wealth, by the way, to its deceptive name. No, it doesn't run shelters for puppies and kittens all around the country. You have to donate to your local shelters for that. But if you're confused, if you're confused, you'll send a donation to the Humane Society of the United States. And what is it? It brings in, what, about $135 million a year, HSUS. There's a couple of hundred million dollars in the bank. Um, these are the robber barons right here. Um, so is HSUS for the underdog, HSUS? Wasn't uh, Michael Vick a spokesperson for HSUS, for the underdog? Um, no, HSUS isn't uh, really working for the underdog or, or any dogs, actually. It's busy working on legislation to make it easier for vivisectors to get their hands on puppies and kittens from shelters, uh, as was the case with HSUS written legislation in California. Is HSUS for the underdog or any dogs? Uh, well, the Humane Society of the United States recently participated in writing legislation to require smaller cages in the state of Vermont for dogs used by breeders, puppy mills, vivisectors. Vivisectors, vivisectors. Uh, people are um, upset this week about uh, Daya foods. Daya foods being uh, bought by a Japanese pharmaceutical company and that they're saying that this, uh, this company does uh, testing on animals. Well, and, and then people are saying they're going to boycott Daya uh, Daya. Well, where's the boycott against the Humane Society of the United States and in fact so many of the organizations who are appearing at this so-called animal rights conference and there are more vivisection connections too. I mean, it's not bad enough that uh, they're all working on behalf of uh, the meat, dairy, fish, and egg industries, uh, but they're also connected to um, vivisecting campaigns, if you really look at it. I mean, HSUS making it easier for vivisectors to get their hands on puppies from shelters. Uh, HSUS doesn't even oppose breeding. It says, buy a dog from a responsible breeder. What does that mean? Well, maybe if you're attending the Animal Rights Conference, you can ask HSUS what that means. Uh, you say, buy dogs from a responsible breeder, HSUS. Uh, what, what do you mean by responsible breeder? 
maybe you should ask one of the HSUS speakers at the so-called Animal Rights Con conference this week. Um, you know, ask. Uh, you know, what? Really, ask. What is HSUS even doing at this conference? Uh, ask Alex Hershev and Farm, the organizers. Why is HSUS at this conference speaking? It is a total rancher advocacy group that is in the livestock industry. It, it, it's part of the industry. I mean, it's, uh, it is. I mean, HSUS and its Humane Society International are in a global partnership to meet uh, expected and expected 70% uh, demand, uh, increase in demand for so-called livestock products by 2050. And so the Humane Society is a partner along with the uh, United Nations FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization, which is uh, totally, you know, pro-livestock, so-called livestock. And so you have this global agenda uh, for sustainable livestock, and HSUS is a participant. Humane Society of the United States, Humane Society International. Now, anybody who, I mean, no, no livestock, no livestock production is sustainable. So HSUS is participating in a very big lie. Very big lie. No livestock raising is sustainable. It doesn't make any sense. Why did I just lose my screen there? I just had all of these people. Let me see if I go back. I just go back. Let's see. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, its partners here, HSUS, supposedly an animal advocacy group. It's part of the animal agriculture industry. It's partner with uh, uh, the Inter-African Bureau for Animal Resources, AgriBenchmark, Ag Research. Uh, let's see, Agriculture and Food Canada. Uh, it's uh, I don't know all all of these all of these uh, companies these feed companies these uh, uh, what is this the dairy dairy sustainability framework dairy sustainability I mean this is well, it's all a lie right so you know uh, what else all of these uh, food and agriculture organization of the United States I mentioned that. Uh, uh, Heifer International, uh, Global Dairy Platform, uh, the Kenya Dairy Board. Um, I mean, it's just it's global, and uh, it's in support of uh, it's it's in support of the livestock industry. Basically, I mean that's uh, that's what it's all about. Unfortunately. Nature Conservancy is part of it. All these, I mean, there are so many. This is massive. It's massive, and it can't be done without somebody who calls itself um, an animal uh, protection organization, giving a stamp of approval. You know, 
it can't happen without without somebody like HSUS. There's so many. There are cattlemen's associations, dairy associations, feed associations, all part of this partnership with the Humane Society of the United States, Humane Society International. So there you have it. Global partnership to meet the expected increased demand. I mean, we need another planet if we're going to try to uh, meet the increase of 70% by 2050. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, let's see. Put the computer down here a second. And, okay. Anyway, sustainable livestock products. I mean, that is an oxymoron, right? I mean, it's just sustainable livestock products. Sustainable livestock products. It just doesn't make any sense. Oxymoron. As HSUS and the uh, animal, animal rights movement actually kind of take you for a moron. You know, they. It's pretty amazing. HSUS, uh, the main proponent for cage free eggs, for grass fed beef, for, f for furnished cages, um, for lab meat, I guess it's now being called clean meat. Uh, HSUS has been run by a pig farmer for years. HSUS distributed coupons for pig flesh bacon. It sponsored Hoofin' It, which was a four-night promotion at restaurants in the Denver area. Every night was a different night with a different hoofed animal on the menu. So it was called Hoofin' It. Isn't that clever? We get to eat a different hoofed animal every night and we get to walk around to different restaurants in Denver, so that's kind of hoofing it too. So that's that's so clever and cute um, that we hardly think of all the animals who were killed to be eaten uh, with the, the the happy face seal of approval from the Humane Society of the United States. What are these people doing at an animal rights conference? Huh? These groups are getting paid big time, big time by the open philanthropy project uh, which I guess if I go back to my um, my Democrat Party animal rights movement analogy or metaphor uh, the open philanthropy project basically is the Clinton foundation of the animal rights movement um, and it has distributed millions and millions of dollars to these groups to support cage-free egg campaigns. Even Mercy for Animals has now received, looks like over $3 million to promote cage-free eggs and a new broiler welfare campaign. Um, Mercy for Animals, if you look at its website some time ago, it said, don't buy the egg industry hype about cage-free eggs. That they are cruel and unusual punishment. That every male chick meets his fate, the macerator, ground alive, just after birth. All the females are mutilated, imprisoned, and murdered. And uh, Mercy for Animals used to oppose this, as the whole animal rights movement did. But suddenly, uh, the Open Philanthropy Project, the Clinton Foundation of the Animal Rights Movement, has given Mercy for Animals over $3 million. 
and the Humane Society of the United States over three million dollars, and uh, uh, the Humane League over three million dollars, and uh, Compassion Over Killing, five hundred thousand dollars to promote uh, a new broiler campaign. I guess they're they're coming out with this broiler campaign. Uh, Soon they've been spending money on research uh, to figure out the, a broiler campaign. So, so here the Open Philanthropy Project is doing research, broiler chicken research. Um, it's pretty offensive to be called a broiler um, or a fryer or. Uh, the Open Philanthropy Project, by the way, <laughs> I mean, last month it gave $419,000 to the Humane Slaughter Association for farm animal welfare advocacy in China. Could you imagine there's a, there's a group called the Humane Slaughter Association? Like, uh, like the name of our organization you know, like, boggles the mind. <laughs> Try to figure that one out, right? The Humane Slaughter Association. The, uh, the good killers. The good, the good killer group. The, the happy killers. The, uh, you know, we, 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 we kill with kindness. Uh, our, uh, hi, what did I do? Yeah, we kill with kindness. Wait a second here. Uh, I'm a little slow today because I have so many tabs open. Including, oh, some of the stuff I've been doing through Radio Bobby. I'll get to that in a second. Um, let's see here. Almost there, almost there. I, uh, you know, now that there's this broiler campaign coming from uh, the Open Philanthropy Project or uh, the Clinton Foundation. Of the animal rights movement. Um, well, who are broilers anyway? You know, I mean, so I guess uh, there are these distinctions. So I just look it up and uh, Google it, and it, you know, this is some kitchen site. Why? Why would there be dead birds in anybody's kitchen? I don't understand. But anyway, that's a kitchen site here. It says, uh, "Get to know your chickens." Broilers are chickens six to eight weeks old and weighing about two and a half pounds. Friars are chickens six to eight weeks old and weighing two and a half to three and a half pounds. Roasters are chickens less than eight months old and weighing three and a half to five pounds. Well, listen, I'm offended. I'm offended by the speciesism, the, the naming of the chickens by how they're cooked. Wow. Holy cow. I don't know what to say. Broilers, fryers, roasters. Then they have uh, category stewing chickens. Chickens, it says usually hens over 10 months old and weighing 5 to 7 pounds. And then capons are castrated males that weigh 6 to 8 pounds. Uh, go back to my childhood my, my my dear mother my dearly departed mother uh, used to make capon all the time 
and uh, it's like another life. Uh, and we know, and we know, castrated males. Uh, uh, that's what I was eating, but it had it had such an exotic name, capon. We're having capon. Oh, capon. Yeah, we're having torture and murder, but uh, that was a different time. That was oh, that was the last century. I was a different person. Let's see. So I guess that uh, those are the definitions here. Um, the, the chickens given their names by how they're cooked. Um, so we have the Open Philanthropy Project, as I mentioned uh, last month. It, as I said, it's given you know, uh, there's you know, over 12, 12 and a half million dollars just to the Humane Society of the United States, Humane League, Mercy for Animals, Compassion Over Killing, uh, to promote uh, cage-free eggs and or um, the, the uh, broiler campaign, which I don't think has been unleashed yet. Maybe the broiler campaign will be unleashed at the so-called Animal Rights Conference. Huh? So. Uh, so Open Phil uh, also has given money to the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Um, it's given money to the um, Colorado State University Institute for Advancement of Animal Welfare Science. So in a sense, isn't this a you know it's a, it's an animal eating conspiracy by animal advocates, but it's also a vivisection conspiracy. All of these groups waiting with bated breath, waiting with uh, cage-free egg breath. That's all they sell, basically. Um, for the research that will uh, give them the ammunition they need to, uh, to try to coerce corporations and universities into promising to convert to uh, something horribly cruel but that, can, uh, that can get a happy face stamp of approval. So, and all these corporations and universities only have to uh, promise to do it in the future. Um, one can only hope they don't keep their promises, and usually they don't. And what does it matter? Because everybody gets tortured, mutilated, imprisoned, and killed anyway. So, You have uh, Open Phil financing the animal rights movement right now. Very, very dirty money. Um, and so, as I mentioned, so it's, it's given a million dollars to uh, the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, FFAR. And so let, well, let's let's look, look let's look at the uh, the page accelerating advances in animal welfare, RFA. Um, so these are the people supported by the Open Philanthropy Project. Uh, the same people, uh, you know, getting a check from the Open Philanthropy Project. The animal rights groups I've mentioned, plus others, plus many of the participants who are at. Uh, the so-called animal rights conference coming this week, the Good Food Institute, that's out there selling us biotech clean meat, 
clean meat. It's not called lab meat anymore because who's going to want to buy lab meat when you can call something clean meat? Although clean meat to me sounds like you know they put disinfectant and bleach. They do, don't they do that anyway? They give carcasses an acid bath and whatever. But uh, it's not clean when it comes to uh, animal suffering, by the way. And you know, this is a strange argument because this clean meat, this lab meat, this Good Food Institute meat, it's getting support now from, uh, you know, there's a, a Saudi family prince, a, a prince from the Saudi uh, ruling family who apparently is vegan. Um, but he's being misled. He's being led into supporting campaigns like this uh, Good Food Institute clean meat. Um, and, you know, I mean, not healthy. It's not healthy to support consumption of animal protein. Uh, animal protein that comes from animals, even though they pretend it doesn't. And the Saudi prince also uh, has been suckered into supporting campaigns against only what is called factory farms. And we have to really oppose all animal agriculture. Opposing factory farms doesn't doesn't make sense. And what is a factory farm? What is a family farm? Um, anyway, so uh, from this Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, uh, it says animal health and welfare are key to sustainable food security. Uh, today, there are approximately 19 billion chickens, 1.4 billion cattle, and one billion sheep and pigs in farm production worldwide. Globally, per capita, meat and dairy consumption are expected to increase 73% uh, and by 2050. Let's see, what I'm trying to understand here. It says to increase 73% and 58% by 2050. FAO 2011 respectively, whatever, uh, as uh, incomes rise in the developing world. These insights present both a challenge and an opportunity for improving animals' lives in a rapidly growing world. Uh, somehow I'm missing the vegan message in all of this, you know, like this planet can't support all the people who are eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs right now. This planet can't support that all the people who are eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs right now are responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, the number one cause of climate change. People eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and uh, we want to help them increase this, uh, their appetite by 70% by 2050. Do we have a second planet? You know, do, I mean, where, how, how? We, we can't do it on this planet. We don't have the water. We don't have the land. Cutting down forests. Um, anyway, so it says, the intensification of livestock production in developed countries has improved efficiency and access to meat and dairy products, yet the treatment of farm animals in, the, uh, in these settings remains controversial. Challenges in, in uh, intensive livestock production include the need to accommodate natural animal behaviors such as flight and rooting while reducing injuries and maladaptive behaviors. 
Surgical procedures may cause stress or pain depending on how they are performed. Innovative research, 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 research is critical to developing new approaches in animal welfare and ensuring their successful adoption. Research, that sounds like vivisection to me in this uh, conspiracy of vivisection between open fill, all of these people. Anyway, so it says here, we are seeking partners to promote transformative animal welfare research, 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 with the potential to positively impact millions of animals as well as livestock rearing best practices. FFAR will consider additional issues for future funding. So, current research areas. Cage-free poultry welfare. The global demand for eggs and egg products is expected to increase significantly in the next several decades. Uh, in the United States, the move toward cage-free housing for egg-laying hens is progressing rapidly with the commitment by over 200 major restaurants and grocery chains, food manufacturers and producers, and uh, hospitality and travel service uh, industry groups to source eggs from cage-free poultry by 2025 or sooner. So these are all empty promises and if the promises are fulfilled they are nothing but torture and murder for all the animals anyway so but there's a lot of goodwill and we feel all good about the egg industry don't we and all of these good about mcdonald's and all, all of them for, for for making this promise to switch to cage-free eggs now if they all switch to cage-free eggs are there the facilities to provide uh, for the demand I think not. But I think then they could always go back to their furnished uh, battery cages, you know, their, their enriched battery cages, which were supported by the uh, animal rights industry. So, uh, so why not? If they, if, they can't, if they can't all, I mean, how can all these companies, how can everybody get cage-free eggs with all of this increased demand? I guess we'll have to go to plan B, which would be the enriched cage. It uh, continues here at the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, research, research. The USDA estimates that to meet these cage-free uh, commitments, the egg industry will need to convert most current production systems to cage-free by 2025, at which time 215 million layer hens will be housed in cage-free systems. However, there are biological and operational challenges associated with cage-free egg production. What? How can that be? Animal rights activists have been campaigning for cage-free eggs for years. How, how can there be consequences to their actions? That, tell me it's not true, okay? It says, one common challenge is minimizing bone fractures, which can affect 50 to 75 percent of cage-free hens by the end of their lifespan, of the end of the uh, laying lifespan. 
So, uh, and it says, and fractures are reported to occur at higher rates in cage-free housing systems. So, uh, it says, so, so, so here you have, see, the consequences of your good actions. Let's, let's, let's take the birds out of, uh, out of cages, you know, where there may be 10 or 12 other birds, and put them in a cage-free situation with tens of thousands of other birds, all just, you know, looking to fight with each other, run from each other. I mean, it's just, you know, but, but you know, cage-free sounds good, right? Cage-free sounds good. Uh, but you didn't know, did you, that uh, 50 to 75 percent of cage-free hens uh, have uh, these fractures, these fractures that occur in higher rates in cage-free housing systems than cages. It says bone fractures cause pain, decreased egg production. Oh, we care about, about who cause pain. Well, who cares about that? Bone fractures cause decreased egg production. We can't have that. We animal advocates cannot have decreased egg production. We are partners with the egg industry. We must oppose bone fractures. So it says, okay, so bone fractures cause pain, decreased egg production, reduced growth efficiency, and reduced carcass value. Oh, we can't have reduced carcass value. We're animal rights advocates. We value the animals for whom we advocate. And therefore, their carcass value cannot be diminished. Um, given the wide... I'm, continuing the quote here. Given the wide variety of evolving aviary design and hen genetics, um, when I hear that, for some reason I hear research, 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 but we animal advocates can't be for animal research, can we? For, for vivisection? No, no, no. Uh, except if it, uh, you know, increase, increases carcass value, in which case we might make an exception. Except if uh, it increases egg production, we might make an exception. Given the wide variety of evolving aviary designs and genetics and the number of additional factors that can affect this issue problem, it is vital that researchers in the United States address this issue to support farmers as they transition to cage-free systems. Okay, so you, you support those farmers, you animal advocates there, you, you people attending the, the animal rights con, for instance. You go. You, you go support those, those, those egg farmers. You have, give them a hand. Help them out. What else does it say here from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research? The same place that's getting money, you know, the same place that, that's getting money that's giving to, to this, what am I trying to say? So this place gets money from Open Philanthropy Project, as do Humane Society of the United States, Mercy for Animals, Humane League, uh, Good Food Institute, Farm Forward. That's another one, that's another one that's at the uh, so-called Animal Rights Conference. Farm Forward, yeah, they, they put money to good use. They, they help... Uh, they help farmers build bigger barns so they can produce more heritage birds. 
We, we want heritage birds. We're animal advocates. We, we don't just want common birds out there for people to eat. We want, we want the good heritage birds. We're animal advocates. We're going to an animal rights conference. Impact and feasibility of addressing keel fractures. Fractures? I guess these are called keel fractures. Keel fractures, that's K-E-E-L. Keel fractures uh, among poultry housed in aviary systems are considered a major welfare concern and negatively affect egg production. Bone strength in poultry is moderately to strongly um, heritable, heritable, suggesting that selective breeding for bone strength could reduce the incidence of fractures. Research in this area may also impact osteoporosis, a closely related issue that affects 80% of hens by the end of egg production and which contributes to bone breakage and 20 to 35% of mortalities during the egg production cycle of caged hens. Uh, there are only a few major breeding companies that offer commercial poultry lines which are typically selected for productivity, life expectancy, and egg quality, adoption of research, research, research findings by any of the major hatcheries uh, would have significant impact on layer hen welfare. Dietary formulations or additives may reduce fractures by enhancing bone strength during egg production. Um, and uh, so, so there you have it. Let's do the work of the egg industry. Let's uh, let's help build uh, stronger bones for uh, for chickens. So you know, for pro productivity, uh, for profit. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing. And uh, so, where am I? What am I? So, I guess that, uh, you know, that gives you an idea about how I feel about this uh, so-called animal rights conference that's coming up here. Let's see if there's something else. Uh, oh, I, I think I did. I did see something about the boiler campaign, okay? Because, you know, a lot of money has been given from the Clinton Foundation, I mean the Open Philanthropy Project, to uh, the groups to promote the broiler welfare campaign, broiler chicken welfare, um, including Mercy for Animals, Humane Society of the United States, Humane League, and Compassion Over Killing. And I see the World Animal Protection uh, World Animal Protection has been given uh, $517,000 to support work to improve conditions for broiler chickens. So uh, what, uh, what is uh, World Animal Protection, WAP, supposed to do with the $517,000 that it gets? It presumably uh, Mercy for Animals will do this, HSUS, Humanely, Compassion Over Killing. It's, uh, it says here, uh, 
It will be producing and promoting campaign materials to raise awareness of broiler chicken suffering, developing and launching a corporate chicken welfare scorecard. So again, here we'll go to all of the corporations, the restaurants, the supermarkets, and we'll say, we want you to promise uh, broiler chicken welfare in 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years. We'll make them good guys again for all of this. Um, and uh, so, you know, because the animal rights movement will be developing and launching a corporate chicken welfare scorecard. It will be uh, building evidence of the suffering endured by broiler chickens in factory farming operations. Again, uh, that uh, bothersome term, factory farming, when it should be all animal agriculture. It's, and so the, it's also paying money for staff time, creative development, and travel, uh, indirect costs such as occupancy, technical support, and administration support. So there is a lot of money in empty promises. Um, and then again, you know, kind of hoping that uh, they don't keep their promises. Isn't that great? We we uh, we get promises that we don't want them to keep. Let's see here, there was something else. So basically, what this comes down to for me, and I posted about it maybe a day or two ago. If there were an animal rights movement, it would be planning protests against the fraudulent and deceptive. Animal Rights Conference, uh, the premier showcase, really, I mean, let's, let's face it, the Animal Rights Conference has become the premier showcase for animal betrayal, innovations in meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating, um, approved vivisection, and creative animal abuse. Um, and by the way, when I was talking about clean meat, lab meat, you know, everybody's saying, oh, this is the way to go. Um, it will require the cells of animals. The There'll be farms for animals who donate, <coughs> donate in, uh, you know, in the air quotation marks, donate cells. And this will allow for just an increase in the, the species whom humans will eat. We talked about this last week. Last week. You'll be able to get panda meat. You'll, so, so, and and uh, again, where where will all of these uh, cells originate? I mean, uh, animals will have to be raped to produce offspring. Um, They'll have to be imprisoned, they'll have to be mutilated, uh, and they'll have to be killed. Clean meat, that's what it is, it's clean. it's clean. Well, I think we clearly see when others are influenced by propaganda. You know, it's uh, just not so easy to see when we ourselves fall prey, and uh, I say that might be 
the group falling prey to propaganda just may be in the Washington DC area this week at something called the Animal Rights Cognate Prince. I think a good indication that you have fallen prey to propaganda uh, is if you find yourself applauding for the Humane Society of the United States at this, uh, this, this event. If you find yourself applauding for Mercy for Animals, the Humane League, Farm, Farm Sanctuary, Farm Forward, Compassion Over Killing, PETA, the Good Food Institute, Animal Charity Evaluators, if you find yourself applauding or accepting or, or, or committing yourself to campaign for cage-free eggs or enriched battery cages or for smaller cages for dogs, um, <laughs> that is one of the that is one of the HSUS campaigns. So if you're if you're there, you know you, you want to join the animal rights movement, campaign for smaller cages for dogs in Vermont. It's it's the animal advocates thing to do, aside from helping the egg industry be more profitable. Uh, if you find yourself applauding reducitarianism applauding for Brian Cateman who will be there, the founder of Reducitarianism, this failed uh, so-called vegetarian. Uh, he, 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 he tried to be a vegetarian but uh, he failed and he, he couldn't, he, he just, the temptation of bacon, I mean he just loves bacon in his presentation, he talks about how, how delicious and tempting bacon is and, and isn't this just the you know, the, the right kind of person, the right presentation for an animal rights conference. Somebody, you know, who's an ex, ex, excusitarian. I mean, he, he the guy, he, he couldn't live up to, I don't know why he wanted to be a vegetarian, why he called himself a vegetarian and then ate bacon and eggs. But this uh, excusitarian guy comes up with a cool name like reducitarian and suddenly, sure, everybody, Reduce the amount of meat you eat, but we know you can't give up the bacon. Plus, vegans are hippies. That's that's part of his presentation, his TED Talk, this Brian Cateman dude who's talking at the Animal Rights Conference. He portrays vegans as hippies. Uh, the other guy from Farm Sanctuary who was scheduled to talk at the Animal Rights Conference, Matt uh, Eat, uh, Eat Meat Ball. Well, Matt Ball is his name, but I give him the Matt Eat meat ball. Um, so his campaign is eat, eat all animals, eat anybody you want except for chickens. Okay, so uh, that that's kind of that was another reducitarian campaign. If you find yourself applauding meatless Mondays, another reducitarian campaign. Well, meatless Mondays has turned out to be a bonanza for the dairy and egg industries. The egg industry thanks Meatless Mondays for its highest egg sales in 30 years. It was uh, Paul Souter, uh, the chairman of uh, the American Egg Board, expressing his gratitude to Meatless Mondays because Meatless Mondays aren't vegan Mondays. The public doesn't interpret Meatless Mondays to be vegan Mondays. It interprets them to be, let's have uh, dairy and eggs. Let's have a cheese omelet. You know, let's and then uh, what happens on Tuesday? I think Tuesdays are double or triple the meat because we sacrificed yesterday. On Meatless Monday, we, we sacrificed for the animals by having 
cheese and eggs. <sighs> so we're living in times where nothing is as it seems. Up is down, left is right, in is out. Everything is a lie. Meatless Mondays. And why would we only ask people to engage in um, you know, decent moral behavior on Mondays only? It's like, hey, just do this on Mondays, Tuesdays through Sundays. You know, eat a whale. You know, that really that, as long as you're not eating chickens, as long as and and if you just have a little smaller portion of the whale, we would you know, you'll be you'll be doing your part. This guy Brian Cateman, his his slogan, you know, what he said at the TED talk is, uh, you know, you can change the world by ordering smaller steaks. Ordering a smaller steak. I don't, I don't think the cow whose body is turned into those steaks really appreciates that. Oh, now more, more, more people can eat from my body. Terrific. I'm glad my body will go further now. That makes me happy. Thank you, animal rights conference advocates, activists. <laughs> it's hard to believe that people buy this stuff, and so many people are buying this reducitarian nonsense. It's, it's just mind-boggling. Forks Over Knives buys it. Forks Over Knives gives Brian Cateman a platform. Forks Over Knives, which is supposed to be this plant-based diet, right? Whole Foods plant-based. We're so against you having, you know, olive oil. No, you can't have coconut oil. Ooh, no, no, no. But if you can't give up meat, knock yourself out with the bacon. Just, you know, one slice less of bacon on a plant-based diet, I guess, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think a good sign, like, uh, that you might need intervention, that you're a victim of propaganda, if, if you find yourself at this animal rights conference. And by the way, of course, you know, there'll be lots of good people there, good-hearted people, you know, who, you know, just by being there, give credibility to all the, <laughs> all the animal betrayal specialists who are there. Um, you know, I mean, like, look at the Democrat Party. You have Dennis Kucinich, right? Or uh, Tulsi Gabbard, right? So, hey, giving credibility to <laughs> the evildoers. So if you're at this animal rights conference, if you're there, ask yourself, you know, just if you're there, ask yourself if you're a victim of propaganda. But if you are, if you find yourself applauding you know, smiling uh, for the Humane Society of the United States, Mercy for Animals, the Humane League, Farm, Farm Sanctuary, Farm Forward, Compassion Over Killing, PETA, the Good Food Institute, Animal Charity Evaluators, Cage-Free Eggs, Enriched Battery Cages, Smaller Cages for Dogs, Reducitarianism, Lab Meat, Clean Meat, Meatless Mondays, Grass-Fed Beef, Broiler Welfare, Certified Humane, and Humane Slaughter. Uh, you may be a victim of propaganda. Um, you must immerse yourself immediately in listening to all archives at GoVeganRadio.com. Um, and if you're donating to these groups, I, I mean, you're, you're a danger to the animals. If, if, if you're considering donating to any of these groups, any of your money, writing a check, you know what? Go to Go Vegan Radio right now. There's there's a donate button right there. You know, just 
donate, you know, give, give your money to Go Vegan Radio because uh, if you don't, it, 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 it may be harming animals. And you may be a danger to the animals by donating to these groups. Plus, they have so much money from the Clinton Foundation, the Open Philanthropy Project. They don't need your money. They have millions and millions of dollars. And shame on Alex Hershaft and Farm for enabling all of these animal betrayal specialists uh, you know, Alex Hershef years ago talked about how worried he was that the industry was infiltrating the animal rights movement. Um, and Alex Hershef doesn't see when he's been infiltrated. Look, he's the victim of propaganda. He's selling us the sellouts. This is amazing. Totally amazing. huh? And yet, if there were an animal rights movement, hey, look, uh, you know, it's 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 one-stop shopping for protesting all in one place this coming week the perfect target for animal rights protests you know for for protests for questions that need to be asked for answers that need to be demanded i mean are you really going to sit at banquet tables elbow to elbow with those who sell out the innocent harmless animals you claim to represent are you Okay, maybe I should take uh, a break. Take a break here, and uh, you know, maybe maybe get more positive. Maybe we should take a break, and uh, maybe I should turn on Radio Bobby, RadioBobby.com. Chill, chill a salad. You know, we we're, we're told that now by uh, if you listen to last week's archive, if it's been posted yet. Uh, Sorry, we're a little slow at posting shows lately. Um, we'll blame that on Donald Trump. Everybody else makes money blaming Donald Trump. We've been slow in posting our shows lately because of Donald Trump. Please donate at GoVeganRadio.com. You can also become a subscriber, a Patreon subscriber. For as little as a dollar an episode, I think it is. You can find that at GoVeganRadio.com. And uh, Radio Bobby, we're playing great music there, RadioBobby.com. You will never hear a commercial for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, or uh, leather, feathers, wool, silk, fur. Um, we do hear music by Maccabee. We hear uh, some vegan-influenced music there, Maccabee. Vegan reggae artist. We'll hear. Uh, we'll hear from him coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Again, uh, please support this program with a tax-deductible donation. We really could use your support. The robber barons are all uh, gathering in the D.C. area this week. The wealthy animal betrayal specialists, and we're here plugging away. Sixteen years of doing this program. Last week we uh, gave the news that uh, Report Fire uh, uh, presented a uh, presented a report, as Report Buyer does, that six percent of uh, U.S. consumers now identify themselves as vegan, six percent up from one percent in 2014. Six percent—that's huge. We have an animal rights conference that's not promoting going vegan. Well, here I am, 16 years promoting vegan. 
and organizing events. We organized the World Vegan Summit and Expo for a couple of years. That's when there was the big surge in vegan population in the U.S. Watch, these groups will all take credit for it. All of these anti-vegan groups. I mentioned before Matt Ball, who uh, was with Farm Sanctuary. I don't know if he still is or not. Scheduled to talk at the Animal Rights Conference. And he presented vegans as Hezbollah. That's, that, that's what, as rude, rude, mean, Hezbollah, fundamentalists. Uh, that's the kind of person talking at the Animal Rights Conference. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Brian Caitman uh, presented vegans as uh, hippies, you know? So, here we are. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, 16 years on air, as heard on the Air America Radio Network and CBS and Clear Channel stations around the country, asking people to go vegan. Uh, we, uh, we kind of look at vegans as uh, heroes, <laughs> really, when you come right down to it. Vegans are modern-day heroes. So, uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to help everybody go vegan as quickly as possible to save the animals, the planet, human health. But watch, these groups are all going to take credit. They'll take credit. You know, the HSUS and Mercy for Animals and the Humane League and Farm and Farm Sanctuary, all of them. They'll, they'll take credit for this big surge in veganism. They'll say, you know, we were out there promoting enriched battery cages and we were out there promoting cage-free eggs and lab meat. And People hate us so much. They... They just went right to vegan. They, 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 they just hate us. They, they just hate us animal activists so much that they wouldn't listen to us. They, they, they wouldn't buy cage-free eggs. They would, no, they, they hate us so much they went vegan. All right, we will continue. It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. There are also two Bob Linden pages on Facebook there. And, oh, we do have uh, oh, Twitter, at GoVeganRadio, and Twitter, Radio Bobby, Facebook, Radio Bobby. Definitely, if you want to chill out, go to RadioBobby.com. We continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. A Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. The Bob Linden pages to confuse me on Facebook, so I do everything in triplicate, triplicate, quadruplicate. Higher numbers than that that I don't know the prefix to do the math. Sextuplicate, Ocho, Plicate, Nueve, Plicate. Um, Oh, and also Radio Bobby, RadioBobby.com, the music 24-7, awesome, awesomely amazing music 24-7 at RadioBobby.com. Thanks for support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and RadioBobby.com. Thanks for support uh, from Evolution, Vegan Dog and Cat Food. Is the first Wednesday of the month upon us again? It is, isn't it? The first Wednesday of the month, if you call... Uh, 
800-659-0104. On the first Wednesday, you get 20% off uh, dry food. You get 10% off canned food. That's 800-659-0104. Evolution, vegan, dog, and cat food. 25% off your first order of dry food if you are a new customer. There are special price breaks to help people who are facing financial challenges. There is uh, there is Maximum Life, new from Evolution. It's grain-free, gluten-free, hypoallergenic, formulated for urinary tract health. Um, oh, Eric Weissman was saying, and I, I haven't checked out his YouTube channel yet. He's, he was saying, check out my YouTube channel, which is evolution diet now dash youtube.com evolution diet now dash youtube.com check that out there are uh, case histories dogs living up to 21 plus years cats living 22 plus years eating evolution that's not a guarantee or a promise just letting you know that uh, Family members are doing well on Evolution, which has never had a product recall. Again, that phone number is 800-659-0104. We also want to thank Vegetarian House Vegan Dog and Cat Food. What am I talking about? <laughs> Hello? We want to thank Vegetarian House Vegan Restaurant. <laughs> it's Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. Although there, there was a vegan restaurant called there. Oh, it's Revolution. I was in Southern California. Okay, take two. We want to thank Vegetarian House, vegan restaurant, 100% vegan restaurant in San Jose for its support. Year after year of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and now Radio Bobby. It is a spectacular vegan restaurant. Check out the menu at vegetarianhouse.us. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, San Jose Area, 520 East Santa Clara Street, that's where it is. It's been there decades. It's a big favorite. It's always packed. People love it. It's uh, catering businesses booming. If you have an event coming up in the near future, and uh, you have a social event, you have a business event, you're getting married, you want the food to be great, get in touch with Vegetarian House. The website is vegetarianhouse.com. US and uh, check out the menu seriously you'll see how extensive how delicious how wonderful it can be from you know the raw creations fantastic salads and raw fresh squeezed juice to delectable desserts Just, it's, it's all there it's amazing amazing pizza lasagna chow mein you name it sushi all delicious. The ocean basket. I love it. The soups. It's great. One of the best vegan burgers in the world. The Jolly Burger. Vegetarianhouse.us We quickly check in here with our friend Maccabee, who you hear singing many songs on Radio Bobby. And then he is such a devoted vegan. Every week he does uh, Medical Mondays, not Meatless Mondays. He does Medical Mondays and he does Wami Eat Wednesdays, and he usually talks about one of our favorite foods, 
which means uh, something grown from the earth, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, beans. That's what vegans eat. Uh, what, 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 do, what do vegans eat, Maccabee? Talk to me. Talk to me, Maccabee. Maccabee. Find the cursor. Find the cursor for Maccabee to talk to me. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Okay. Maccabee. Greetings. Welcome to Maccabee's Wami Eat Wednesdays. Today it's all about this. One-stop driver, come with us. Come with us on the vegan bus. So when we eat Wednesday, we're going to discuss a veg called asparagus. Have you ever had it? Maybe not. To tell you the truth, I like it a lot. Enough time this day in my pot. Healthy, interesting crop. What have we here? Looks like a spear. A lot of good nutrients are in there. What a thing. The little javelin. Throw that in my abdomen. Can be cooked in many, many ways. Steam, boil, grill, roast, and raw saute. Full of folate, minerals, vitamin K, natural diuretics. So much to say. Low in calorie, lots of fiber. Good for the weight loss. Healthy provider. Keep a good shape. No get wider. Be in control. You're the rider. So me a big up the asparagus. Good for your body. So nutritious. Many benefits in it for us. And a bonus. It can be delicious. How want me eat Wednesday? Yes, I am. Well, we eat Wednesday with Maccabee, uh, talking about asparagus today. So, uh, let us see here. Oh, I do want to mention, of course, uh, that, uh, and, and why wouldn't this whole, you know, a good part of this so-called animal rights conference be concentrating on the environmental effects of the consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. The environmental effects, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Also, deforestation, resource depletion, water shortage, habitat destruction, all thanks to the human, uh, the wrong appetite, the, you know, the wrong appetite, the wrong hunger for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. We humans are herbivores. And we are messing up the planet. And as I said, the number one cause of climate change, animal agriculture, people eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And it's, uh, you know, everybody's concerned about climate change, global warming, huh? Um, well, much uh, looking at live science here now, there's an article uh, on, uh, we're, we're, we're facing some hot times ahead of us. It says, much of the U.S. has had has had a hot summer so far, and it's only going to get hotter, according to a uh, report released today, July 20th, by the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. It says, uh, for the next three months, August, September, and October, the United States is predicted to have above average temperatures. Uh, Dan Collins, a meteorologist and seasonal forecaster with NOAA, uh, the uh, Climate uh, Prediction Center, Operational Prediction Branch, said in a news briefing, you can see that across the entire United States, including Alaska, there is more of a chance that temperatures will be above normal. Collins said, uh, the three-month forecast for rain showed that parts of Alaska as well as the American Southwest and South 
will have more rain than they typically do during the late summer and early fall. In contrast, parts of the Pacific Northwest are expected to have less rain than usual uh, during that time. NOAA's precipitation map showed. In August, most of the country will have warmer than usual temperatures with the exclusion of the southwest parts of Arizona, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. The main reasons are uh, the southwest won't have a hotter than normal August is because more rain than usual is expected in that area, Collins said. There are several reasons for these above normal temperatures. One is due to increasingly uh, is due uh, to increased ridging in the atmosphere over the north central U.S. This means that the circulation of the atmosphere is such that there is higher pressure in that region, which leads to higher temperatures. Moreover, long-term trends, that is climate change, are playing a significant role this season. The NOAA Climate Prediction Center uses the past three decades as a reference period. And the most recent uh, decade is somewhat warmer than the previous three decades. Anyway, so anyway, still hot times ahead. And uh, we can only blame it on people eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And it's not about blame because, you know, what did we know? But now that we know better, now that we're waking up, now that we do know, we have to go vegan because it is the only solution. Climate specialists Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang tell us that the only solution for climate change before it's too late is a massive population shift away from consuming so-called livestock products to vegan. We need to do it ASAP. We need an animal rights movement uh, to uh, get on the bandwagon. Can you imagine the, the ammunition we have? Everybody's concerned about climate change. The only solution for climate change is a uh, massive population shift to going vegan, which uh, we are told could take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. We all go vegan. We free up all this land for reforestation, sequestration, and we all live happily ever after. Happy, time, happy days are here again if we all go vegan. And uh, you would think that would be the message from a so-called animal rights conference. But no, the Animal Rights Conference tells us vegans are, vegans are, are Hezbollah, vegans are, are hippie fundamentalist terrorists who can save the world. We're the only ones who can save the world, and we don't, uh, <laughs> we don't use that ammunition. Oh, well, maybe you can bring some of that up at the Animal Rights Conference if you attend. Okay, I believe it is time for Animal Rights Commentary with Professor Gary Francione. Coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. It is a segment that we have every week. And uh, in moments, we will be talking to Professor Francione. Again, please support us with a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. And uh, the phone is ringing. I think we're on yes, the Yes, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Hi, Gary. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Fine, thank you. So, um, I guess uh, just kind of recording here, so I can get us started. Is Anna with us uh, today? Uh, no, it's no, it's just me. It's just me. Okay. 
All right. So uh, here we are, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Professor Gary Francione joins us with commentary. He joins us every week. He is the first academic to teach animal rights theory at an American law school at Rutgers University. Um, and he would like you to visit his website, HowDoIGoVegan.com. How are you today, Gary? I'm fine, Bob. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I've been uh, ranting for uh, most of the program. This week is the, uh, the so-called Animal Rights Conference. Well, you know, Bob, it's, uh, it's, a sad, it's a sad comment, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. And uh, I don't know if you saw um, Matt Ball's, uh, uh, you know, don't eat chickens, eat beef and pork instead. <laughs> it's, uh, right. it's really, yeah, I mean, but look, this is what those people do, and that's the position that they take. And um, I, what I find remarkable is that they take these positions and they deny taking them. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really quite, quite horrifying. But, um, but you know, they definitely, I mean, it's, I, I, I was very, uh, Peter Singer, who is the um, supposed father of the animal rights movement, is an advisor uh, to this one step for animals, which should be called one very large step backward for animals, and uh, that that Matt Ball uh, has started it, or, or, or one 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 stab for animals. Yeah, one stab for well, you know, and so um, you know, Ball, uh, as you know, was co-founder of Vegan Outreach, a group that that uh, has for many years denigrated veganism uh, and uh, made you know called people who are vegans the vegan police and basically promoted uh, a sort of a flexitarian approach, which is why I suppose Peter Singer, who describes himself as a flexible vegan, uh, was attracted to it. But it's really quite horrifying that you have an animal organization, uh, an organization that, uh, that, 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 uh, uh, that claims to be interested in helping animals, uh, promoting the idea that we ought to be eating cows and pigs instead of chickens. It's really just, just horrifying. But I wanted to talk about something else this week, um, because, you know, you, we, can, we can spend an interminable amount of time talking about the people who pimp various forms of animal exploitation while they're making a living off of the backs of animals, and it's really quite, quite upsetting. But as you know, there's well, an well, I, I, I did spend uh, quite a bit of time on that already, so... Well, uh, there you go. There you go. Well, let's talk about something. Let's talk about something a little. I I, I hope a, a a little a little different and and uh, that people will think about. And that is, there was a uh, there was you know, we all buy into these single issue campaigns that these animal organizations promote, and you know they they tell us that uh, you know fur is worse than wool and leather, and that foie gras is worse than steak and chicken, and that. That um, you know, hunting animals is worse than going to the store and buying animals, and you know, it's all of, all of these all of these single issue campaigns, many of which have been kicking around forever, and they help animal groups uh, raise money, but they don't really encourage clear thinking, and they lead to some of the most ridiculous and absurd consequences and situations that you can possibly imagine. Let me give you an example of one. 
Um, diet cheese, which I I personally don't eat that stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's it's really unhealthy stuff. But you know, people want to eat it. It's better than eating you know cheese. Um, and um, diet cheese uh, apparently has been acquired by a Japanese pharmaceutical company, and they do animal testing. And so um, I was getting. Uh, my inbox filled with emails and whatnot, uh, people asking me about whether or not diet cheese is still vegan. And um, and this got me to thinking, well, why wouldn't they think that it's not vegan? Um, because, it, I mean, I, I'm not in favor of animal testing, obviously. But one of the single-issue campaigns that a lot of animal advocates, lots of animal advocates have bought into is this idea that animal testing is worse than other forms of exploitation. It's not. It's bad. All forms of exploitation are bad. But it's not worse than anything else. And so um, I took the position. I thought about it, and I talked about it with Anna. And I wrote a, um, a Facebook post that I later turned into a blog post on abolitionistapproach.com in which I argued that, um, of course, diet cheese, if it doesn't have any animal ingredients, it's still it's still suitable for vegans to eat and and the fact that there's animal that the company does animal testing uh is is unfortunate but it doesn't affect the the veganness of the product any more than uh, i mean people were buying this diet cheese uh in supermarkets that sell meat that sell dairy that sell eggs they buy it in places like whole foods that sell happy meat and happy milk and happy eggs and all sorts of nonsense and so they're putting money in the pockets of people who are promoting all sorts of exploitation um people are buying frozen broccoli that is you know uh made and packaged by companies that make and package frozen meat products and frozen dairy products and frozen egg products and once we get away from the idea of what's in the product, you know, I mean, what, as far as I'm concerned, if, if for consumption purposes, if it doesn't have any animal ingredients in it, it's suitable for a vegan to eat. Now, there may be other reasons why people don't want to eat stuff that's vegan. For example, I don't eat non-fair-traded cashew nuts. When I was at Vegan Summit last year, uh, I... Um, uh, Bill, Bill and Mar Bill and Marlene, uh, 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 Bill Tara and Marlene uh, Watson Tara, who are terrific people, uh, Bill did a presentation, uh, and I really was unaware of how cashew nuts were produced and how the the the, the fact that that a chemical is used that really is very injurious to the to the people who are all poor people who are working on you know processing the nuts. And I was horrified. I mean, Bill showed this, had this, I don't know if you were in the room when he did that, Bob, but um, it was really horrifying. And I haven't had a cashew nut since. <laughs> that was it. I, I, um, I wonder if that applies to organic cashews. No, no, no. It, it, well, I, I don't know. I, you, can get, you can get organic free trade. I, I, I think it's, I believe that if there are organic free, uh, fair traded uh, cashew nuts, then you're in all right shape, as I understand it. Um, so I get these, I now get uh, or, uh, cashew nuts that are fair trade organic ones, and uh, they're, they're pretty costly, but, um, you know, I like cashew nuts, and, um, and, and but I love I cashews. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do I vegans eat? Vegans love cashews. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I won't eat, I, and I really I haven't since World Vegan Summit. I have not had a cashew nut dip. <laughs> I was really upset by what Bill showed us all. Uh, I, were, were you in the room when he did I that? I wasn't. Present? No, no, I, I wasn't there. Um, and um, it, it was pretty. It was pretty, uh, pretty upsetting. And um, and I had no idea. I had no idea that cashew nuts involved this sort of exploitation. So I say, well, no more cashew nuts. And it took me. It took me a while to find a brand of um, uh, of cashew nuts that I, I. And I wrote to the company. And I got. And I was. I was assured that that you know uh, uh, people were not. You know they weren't using that chemical, and these people were not being exposed to whatever horrible things people are exposed to in the routine product. What, what is the brand? Um, hold on a second. I will have to, I will have to look. Um, and the other thing, I don't eat, I don't eat non-fair traded chocolate because it involves, um, it involves uh, 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 exploiting children in, in, you know, various countries, uh, poor children, uh, the poor people who are always exploited. And um, just getting into my, my, account here and I will tell you what they are in a second um, and 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 so you know there, there there can be reasons that you don't eat there it's terasol t-e-r-r-a-s-o-u-l superfoods organic raw whole cashews terasol and and I don't eat you know, Ann and I don't eat non-fair traded chocolate because of what goes on there. And there's other stuff. I mean, I remember, Bob, in the 90s, we joined with Cesar Chavez, who was a vegan, uh, and to boycott grapes because of the pesticides that were being used. Um, I mean, obviously, pesticides are bad for everybody, every human and non-human, but we're, re- we're killing, you know, the farm workers. And Cesar Chavez... Uh, call for a boycott of grapes, table grapes, and we joined them. And we got, you know, we we we, we promoted that. We we went around talked about it with animal people that they shouldn't eat table grapes and stuff, and that this was a, you know, that this was a human rights issue, an animal rights issue. It was you know, it was in, in so so there can be. Re- I mean, but table grapes are vegan. It's just you know there were reasons not to eat them, but it wasn't because I was, I was part of that boycott. I participated. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. So so. So you remember you remember that 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 scene. Um, as a matter of fact, Cesar Chavez um, was coming to Rutgers to speak at uh, an animal rights conference that Anna and I had organized with some other people. It was actually with Tom Reagan. It was before Tom Tom decided that he was um, no longer supporting a more radical theory. But uh, but in, in, in we had we had two conferences at Rutgers that we co-sponsored with. The Cultured Animals Foundation, Tom Reagan and Nancy Reagan, uh, on social justice issues, and and um, we had Cesar Chavez coming. He died before the conference occurred, and he sent um, he sent his uh, uh, well, he didn't send, but they sent the farm workers sent um, uh, one of uh, one of the the um, executives in the farm workers organization, um, and we had farm worker representation at that conference. And, um, and, you know, so there can be reasons why people don't eat stuff that's vegan. But it's not because it's not vegan. So, you know, I mean, a, a diet cheese is vegan. You, you know, the fact that, that a company that owns it is now, do, you know, is, is doing animal testing is unfortunate. But the bottom line is, is that 
you know, unless you're going to eat stuff that you grow with ingredients that you provide, then you can't, I mean, everything involves exploitation. All this, you, you, the stores that you buy the, the, the products in, you know, you're putting money, you're putting money into the pockets of animal exploiters. A lot of these companies that produce vegan food are owned by parent companies that produce animal products. Um, and so, you know, what's the difference? What is the difference between a company that makes a vegan product but tests on animals and a company that makes a vegan product but also makes a lot of non-vegan products? And the answer is there ain't no difference. But we've well, all been... I, I, would li I would like to argue with you, but so far I'm with you. I'm, I'm well, well, go ahead and argue with me because... <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree with you. I was looking for... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, pro the problem is, is that people get sucked into these stupid single-issue campaigns. So we actually have... There's a number of people who make animal products, who make products, and they say cruelty-free, but they contain animal products. You know, so they'll contain animal ingredients, but it says cruelty-free. And animal people will use those things because they say cruelty-free, even though they contain animal ingredients. I think that's insane. I really well, how do. How is it. that even possible? I, I, I wasn't aware that that could be. That, that well, no, because animal tested cruelty-free just means it wasn't tested on animals. Doesn't mean it doesn't have animal products in it. It's just oh, really? cruelty-free. Cruelty-free cruelty -free is the widely accepted term for a product that is not tested on animals okay wow so I, I i interpret it to mean and also does not contain animal ingredients oh, no, no 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 absolutely not as a matter of fact you pick up a product that says cruelty free on it you got to read the ingredients because the fact that it says cruelty free just means the product and i believe it means the finished product wasn't tested on animals it doesn't mean that the that the constituent or component parts weren't tested on it, it means the finished product i believe I think I think I mean it's a, it's 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 more of a trade term than it is a legal term, but but um, well, well, I guess uh, I just don't see how a product could be cruelty free and have animal ingredients. So that's my that's my thinking. You know, no, 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 I, I, I understand that because it's a because it's a stipulated term. It simply means there is no animal testing. But there are plenty of products out there that contain you know uh, magnesium stearate or contain lanolin or contain you know various things. Um, various animal animal ingredients, but they're labeled cruelty free because the finished product wasn't tested on animals. So, but the bottom line is that um, people get you know animal people are are complete. I mean, many of them are unable to think their way out of a paper bag in terms of if the if the large organizations tell them that fur is bad, they believe fur is bad. When you say to them. But wait a minute, what's the difference between, you know, fur and wool and leather? And the fur campaign is actually problematic because it's very sexist and stuff. They get abusive. They get totally abusive. I mean, you remember that, that fellow, the, that, 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 that uh, I, I forget his name, who, was, who called when I was on the show, uh, who did the fur the fur protest, and he was very upset with me. Um, and, um, uh, you know, but and irrational was, was actually quite irrational, which is not... Not to be unexpected, but um, but you know, so, so so if the big groups say fur is bad, well, these people believe fur is bad. If the big groups say foie gras is horrible, then they say foie gras is horrible. If they say animal testing is bad, then these people say animal testing is bad. Well, what's the difference? It's all exploitation. So you have this peculiar situation now where you have these animal people running around wanting to boycott diet 
cheese, which is vegan, because it is it is produced by a company that tests on animals. But these people were perfectly happy to go to Whole Foods and buy the diet cheese. You know, they don't want to put money in the co- in the pocket of a company that's testing on animals, but they'll put money in the pockets of a company that is promoting the hell out of the idea that we can mainly and compassionately exploit animals. As far as I'm concerned, Whole Foods is no better than the, 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 the company that's testing on animals. I don't see any difference between them. As a matter of fact, in certain ways, Whole Foods is more insidious. The, the, pharmaceutical, company is, the pharmaceutical company is not holding itself out as being a moral agent, whereas Whole Foods is. Whole Foods is holding itself out as, as doing great by the animals, and I think it's act, actually uh, counterproductive and is doing horribly by the animals and is actually harmful to the animals in, in a way that, is, that transcends what the pharmaceutical company is doing. So, I mean, this idea, you know, I mean, it, 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 the inability of, animal, of some animal people to, 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 to think coherently is just profoundly, uh, it's astounding. I mean, you know, today I put up a, a, um, uh, uh, so, some, some guy who owns, uh, has a, is a big stake in the Arsenal football team in, in Britain. He's starting a, uh, a blood sports channel in the U.K. My guess is it's going to flop. I don't think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of people who are going to pay a monthly fee so that they can watch people shoot elephants. And I don't know some people will, but I think it'll flop. But, um, but people are all upset about this. And, and um, you know, and I'm pointing out that, you know, uh, yeah, it's horrible that this guy's, you know, got a blood sports channel. But you have all these non-vegans who are saying, oh, this is ter- terrible what this person's doing. And the answer is, yeah, it's terrible what this person's doing, but they're not vegan. So they're participating in exploitation, you know. And so, so wh- wh- I mean, so they're busy while they're, while they're, while they're, you know, chomping down on their hamburgers or eating their chicken or eating their ice cream or their eggs or whatever they're eating, they're busy, you know, yammering about this guy and his blood sports channel. And ironically, you know, you get animal people who are furious with this guy. These are the same animal people who support Mercy for Animals and Farm Sanctuary and PETA and Humane Society of the United States and the RSPCA. These are the same people who are promoting the happy exploitation organizations who are upset about this guy and his blood sports channel. Well, I mean, I'd like to know, you know, how is this guy doing any more harm than these leaders of these organizations, people, you know, the people who, who, who are involved with the, with the Animal Rights Conference, how is he any worse than they are? I mean, on the contrary, he's at least honest about what he is. You know, he's promoting animal exploitation. He thinks it's great to kill animals, and he's honest about it. Whereas the people at the Animal Rights Convention are busy telling everybody they're busy hanging on a cross because they're animal advocates and they're suffering for the animals while they all have, you know, they all, they all get subsidized by the movement. They all don't have to have jobs because people who have jobs um, pay for them to be professional careerist activists. And they're busy telling everybody they can go to Whole Foods and they can buy level three tortured animals or they can buy cage-free eggs or crate-free porks or they can be reducitarians and all that sort of stuff. I mean, how, how are those people any morally better than the guy who's got the Blood Sports channel? In my view, they're not. Right. They're and, not. Uh, and also, by, by the way, if, if vivisection is what turns people off, uh, 
uh, to these groups, I mean, uh, you know, the, the Open Philanthropy Project is putting a lot of money into research, research related to cage-free eggs and chickens and, and their broken legs and their bones. And, you know, I mean, there's, uh, why aren't they, um, perhaps they should boycott these groups for their involvement in vivisection also, if, if, if they're not uh, upset enough with them for promoting eating animals, meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, cage-free eggs, and uh, lab meat. I guess lab meat is now called clean meat. Is that uh, yes. right? Yes. I've seen that expression. Yes, that's the expression. I, I, I don't know if that's the only thing it's called, but I have seen that expression used with respect to lab meat. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. They're doing, they're using animals in those experiments. They're using animals in order to find out you're doing these, these animal welfare experiments about cage-free eggs and all this sort of stuff. They're using animals. They're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're doing studies at universities on behavior, on, on, on chicken behaviors and things like that. So, I mean, I and then these groups, then these groups are going to take that propaganda and fundraise for, for you know, that, that, that right? so they're doing broiler, broiler research campaigns now and, and, uh, you know, and, and all the people who uh, who supported cage-free eggs and su supported all these campaigns. I mean, look at look at what horrible shit. They don't care about, uh, you know, all, they're all, all the chickens have broken legs and the, the industry is upset. The, the value of their, the carcasses go down. So it makes us all part of that industry to help them get higher profits. You know, that's, that's not the point. Of course, of course. The Look, this is what animals, animal welfare is about, Bob. Animal welfare is about the set of rules that a rational property owner would use if they had full information in terms of maximizing the value of their animal property. And the fact that animal people are promoting this nonsense is indicative of the fact that they don't understand economics 101. They don't understand, like, you know, the intro to economics 101, pre-economics 101. It's appalling, the level. I mean, the number of people I've met in the movement, and I hate to call it a movement because it only moves in one direction, and that's backward, and I hate to call it a movement. But the only people that, that, that I, I have met, virtually no one in the movement understands the economics of animal welfare. They think that, you know, that, well, you know, you just, you demand that the animals be treated better. And, and you know, and if you've got, you know, and if you yell loud enough, that'll, that'll happen. And what they don't understand is the animals are property. And so if they're going to give them more protection, it's going to cost more money. That's going to have an effect on demand. That's going to have an effect on all sorts of things. That's going to, have an, it's going to have a particularly profound effect on demand when demand becomes um, uh, uh, m measured by and shaped by regional trade agreements that have huge, you know, so, so that the markets are no longer national markets, but are international markets. And, you know, where you've got the North American Free Trade Agreement, and you've got the European Union, and you've got, you know, the, the, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade. And so, you know, you've got GATT and NAFTA and, and all these things. Which create these regional markets, um, it becomes almost impossible. I mean, you know, the, the price sensitivity is very great, and so th these folks understand nothing about economics, and 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 what the what the movement has become basically is it's become uh, what it does is it's working with industry to develop niche markets for people who have more expendable income so that they can, they can afford to shop at Whole Foods. And, they, and so what the movement is doing is creating a market 
um, so that people who have more disposable income can feel better about spending more money and buying supposedly higher welfare food. That's what the movement is. That's, that's what the movement has become. It's become a movement which works with industry to create niche markets so that affluent consumers can feel better about continuing to consume animals. It's appalling. It's, but you it's, know, it's helping the farmers. I I spoke about it uh, earlier in the show, and uh, I went right to the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, which is getting funded by the Open Philanthropy Project, which is funding all of these horrible groups: HSUS, Mercy for Animals, etc., Humane League, Compassion Over Killing. And uh, I I looked at some of the research it was discussing, but it also was saying how this is important for for increasing the value. Uh, to the farmers, so basically, sure. we we become egg salesmen. We become we become meat, dairy, fish, and egg salesmen. That, that, that's movement, not we, because I I really don't feel a part of it, uh, and I'm not. They wouldn't let me speak there. My my talk was condemned, and and you're not welcome there either. Come to Vancouver. No, no, so. that's, that's right. No, I I was I was explicitly told I'm not welcome at the animal rights way. I mean, look, anybody who's anybody's going to criticize. The happy exploitation movement. Anyone who's going who's to call these people on the fact that they're promoting animal exploitation is not going to be uh, welcome into Alex Hershap's happy little nonsense. You know, uh, I mean, uh, but the but the reality is, Bob, those conferences they attract a lot of people, many of whom are new to the movement, because unfortunately, people who are new to the movement still come into the movement through these large groups. So they'll go, you know, they'll go to a conference like that. The people who are really good in, you know, the, the people who are thinking um, will go to that conference and be concerned, um, and they'll come away with questions. Eventually, those people will find those of us out there who are opposed to this stuff, and they will no longer be involved with, I mean, the, the number of people we hear from who... Uh, you know, have gone to those sorts of events and have been involved with these various groups, it's, it's staggering. And eventually people will become critical of that. They'll realize the problem and they'll get away from that. The people who are going to continue to go, the people who continue to go, look, look, look at it this way. If you go to the Animal Rights National Convention more than once, if you're sort of a regular goer, you're beyond hope. Um, because if, if you can't after like once or twice, see what's happening, then, um, you know, you better hope that, um, that, that Alex Hershaft doesn't put strychnine in the, in the Kool-Aid and, and pass it out. And, you know, we have a Jonestown in, in Arlington or wherever they have these things, because it, 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 it's a very, I mean, well, you've been there, I've been there. It's a very culty, weird sort of vibe that's there. And I think uh, people who are thoughtful pick up on that and they see the problems and people who aren't don't. And um, I think it's a it, it's a good destination for protest. It's like all in one all in one shopping. There's so many groups and people to protest and and to ask questions. You know what's what's up with the, you know I mean people need to you know it would be nice if people would uh, would say to Mercy for Animals, hey, you used to be against cage free eggs and then you got now you're you're up to three million dollars from the Open Philanthropy Project. Uh, what what made you? change your mind, you know? I mean, it's like... Was, 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 was Mercy for Animals ever against cage-free eggs? I mean, I, I yes, didn't... Yes, yeah, yeah, on its... Uh, I've I sent around uh, from its website how it said, uh, don't, don't be... It was like, don't be fooled by uh, industry hype. And then it talked about all, you know, all the 
uh, male chicks going into the macerators and, and the, the, the mutilation, killing all the females, and it was very much opposed to it. In fact, even on the Open Philanthropy uh, Project page that talks about the grant to Mercy for Animals, it, it, it cites that as a possible problem, but you know, one that could be overcome, that in the past Mercy for Animals was against it. And it even puts the link to that webpage where Mercy for Animals opposed cage-free eggs, and then suddenly a million dollars appears, and you know, you, you, you can't get a, you know, more, more of a propagandist for cage-free than Mercy for Animals, which now has gotten over three million dollars from the wait, Open so, Philanthropy Project. So, wait, so the Open Philanthropy Project has on its page Mercy for Animals criticism of cage-free eggs and, and, and now its acceptance? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Uh, uh, yeah, on, on its Mercy for Animals page and, and its discussion of the grant to Mercy for Animals, it talks uh -huh. about, you know, some of the risks, some of the problems, and it says, you know, in the past, Mercy for Animals has been against uh, cage free eggs, and, and it had the link there, and I've sent around that link to the Mercy for Animals uh, webpage that, that opposed cage free eggs and says, don't believe the industry hype, and now Mercy for Animals is the industry hype after getting paid that money? It's and, it, well, yeah, and it's right there. It's interesting because send me that send me that 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 URL, will you? Because I, what's interesting is most of these groups, whether it's uh, whether it's Mercy for Animals or PETA or Compassion or Killing or whatever Farm Sanctuary, you know, they will on occasion talk. You know, they'll say things which sound okay. I mean, I, I thought it was uh, it was bizarre that you know you have PETA signing on to. The, the the love letter that Peter Singer wrote to Whole Foods, um, uh, you know, expressing appreciation and support for the the happy exploitation standards, and then you get PETA criticizing uh, Whole Foods. I mean, so it's it's you know, it, the disinformation campaigns are profound, and because you know media has changed so much, and we now have social media, and things can you know you can get you can get a million different things out there. Uh, and it's sort of chaotic. The, the marketplace of ideas has become somewhat chaotic. Um, and so what happens is you get these groups, and, you know, they'll say certain things that sound okay. So, you know, you'll, you'll get PETA saying things that sound really good, but then you'll get, you know, you'll get Ingrid Newkirk appearing on the pages of Bell and Evans Chicken saying, you know, uh, promoting Bell and Evans Chicken. Um, and and you know, but but I want to get back to uh, I, I mean, look, as far as these groups are concerned, I mean, I you know, to call to call them you know snake oil salespeople is an, is, is 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 offensive to snake oil salespeople. But um, I, I want to get back to a, 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 a substantive idea in terms of the, this business about increasing profitability for farmers. That's exactly right, Bob. You're exactly right. Twenty years ago, I was writing about Temple Grandin. Who was emerging as you know this 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 the, you know that that uh, a hero of animal rights and things like that because she was designing uh, supposedly uh, more more um, uh, 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 she was more humane slaughterhouses and I was quoting from stuff she wrote about how the animals if they're better if they're handled better. It'll increase profitability because so much damage occurred to carcasses as a result of the way the animals were handled. And I was writing about this 25 years, 20, well, whenever she showed up, it was mid-90s, I guess. And I was writing, I mean, when she, I, soon after she, she arrived on the scene, Singer thought she was just great. Of course, you know, Singer would think she's just great, that she's just great. 
And, um, you know, he was praising her. So I started reading her stuff, and I was, like, horrified by it. I mean, it was, she's, basically, she's basically an industry person who is telling animal exploiters how to increase their profitability. And she's basically saying, if you handle them better, you know, it's better for the animal, but it's better for you financially because, you know, you're going to have, you're going to, the animals are going to incur less carcass damage. But this was all, I mean, that's what animal welfare is about, Bob. That's what animal welfare is about. Is well, that it was, it was it was pretty open in in this page yeah this, this page from the foundation for food and agriculture research um, it was talking you know like it was talking like it was concerned for animals but then it got down to the real truth of, of the matter of uh, increasing what, productivity and, and and carcass value what it what it is is that is that even if you're motivated by concern for animals whatever that means if you're not vegan. <laughs> But um, even if you're motivated by that, the reality is industry isn't going to accept anything that isn't in the in the economic interests of industry. So you got to convince them. And you know, and there is some. I mean, for example, with 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 controlled atmosphere killing of chickens, there's quite a bit of evidence out there that if you if you use controlled atmosphere killing, if you gas the chickens rather rather than quote process end quote them in the way that they are presently processed you'll actually get a much higher return because the conventional poultry processing operations result in so much economic damage to the animal that, um, you know, I mean, you're talking about a lot of carcass damage. You're talking about how long you can keep the corpses in, in refrigeration because of the way the – there's all sorts of stuff. There's all, there are all sorts of factors that go into the profitability of the, of, 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 of the industry, of the various industries. Um, and there are ways of making it more profitable that actually will also arguably – I mean, it, yeah, I mean controlled atmosphere killing, depending on who you talk to, that's a whole other issue too. Um, you know, let's assume arguendo that it's a better way of killing them than, you know, the, the way that they're presently killed. I'm not exactly sure what the hell that means, but let's just assume for argument purposes that it is. Um, the only way that industry is going to accept that is if industry thinks it's financially in the interest of industry. Now, it is. It happens to be contro controlled atmosphere killing is clearly a more, a, a more economically better way. Whether it's better for the animals or not, I don't really know. Um, but, but I can tell you this, that it's if you were, were going to start a... If you decided, Bob, that you no longer wanted to do the animal thing, and you decided you you know you, you wanted to have sort of have a have a shift, um, in, you know, in business, and and what you decided to do was start a chicken processing operation, you would be absolutely irrational. If you were starting from scratch, you'd be absolutely irrational to do anything but controlled atmospheric killing because it's much much more economically efficient than the than the 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 the, the, the stunning and and the, the feather and you know, the way the way it's presently done which it results in a huge amount of carcass damage, huge amount of carcass damage. And I've seen studies, I've seen studies that show, you know, the, 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 how controlled atmosphere killing, how it can increase profitability, and they're dramatic. And I, I suspect um, that, you know, and, and more and more uh, chicken and poultry processors are going to control that atmosphere killing. It's just right now they've got, you know, a lot of these companies, that, you know, they've got a large amount of money invested in the present equipment, so they get tax tax advantages, and there are all sorts of there are all sorts of economic reasons they can't just switch. But as that as as that equipment as that as, as that as that equipment gets, um, you know, as as it loses its useful life, 
my guess is, is that you'll see virtually nobody will be adopting new poultry processing plants, conventional ones. They'll all be moving to some version of controlled atmosphere killing. But that's what animal welfare is about. It's about making the, it's about making the system of exploitation more efficient. And the only, way, the only way that industry can accept that is if, it, if it's not going to affect profitability. So, what, so, so you know, for another good example of this is the veal industry. You know, um, you, had, you had some years ago, I wrote about this in a, in a book I did in 2010 called um, The Animal Rights Debate, uh, which I co-wrote with Robert Garner. Um, I was on the abolitionist side. He was on the what we call the wrong side or the regulationist side. Um, and and um, I and I wrote about the fact that um, the largest veal producer in the United States was saying, "Look, you know, we take animal rights seriously, and and we think that you know it's really important that you give the animals a decent sort of life because people won't eat the veal if you don't. And by the way." Um, you know, in Europe, um, it's actually increased veal, con- you know, veal, con- veal consumption is actually increased because people now feel comfortable about eating veal again. And, you know, when I looked into it, what I found was that when you take the veal calves out of the veal crate and you put them into small social units, the veterinary costs go down because the animals are less stressed. So, again, it makes exploitation more profitable. But that's what animal welfare is all about. That's what it's all about. And so what you've got now, but you, but you know what you've got now, what you've had since the mid-90s is a group of people, the movement, um, which basically it's a business. It's, it's, a, it's a business. You have, you have the animal agriculture industry is, is, is got, it's got a partnership, and it's a pretty explicit one. It becomes more explicit every year as these financial ties get, get stickier and stickier. But you have the you have the, 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 the animal you have animal exploitation industries in an explicit partnership with you know mercy for animals and PETA and and you know con- compassion over killing and 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 uh, vegan outreach and all these groups Viva they're all the same I mean these are these are basically adjuncts to the animal exploitation industry there's really no you know I mean it, there's nothing that we can do about that except educate people. I mean, I think a lot of I think a lot of people who care about this issue are seeing this more and more. I mean, I, I'm convinced. I was talking with someone about this today about how the number of young people I have writing to me who are just disgusted with the large groups. They're seeing it. I mean, because these are these are people who have grown up at a time where they're very cynical of institutions. And they're very cynical of corporations and they they have they're savvy about the fact that you know that we're living we're living in a time when corp when you know when 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 um, corporations are doing all sorts of insidious things. They're becoming aware of that. They're really really skeptical and cynical about you know. Uh, I mean, there's a whole anarchist movement out there that just that dis- despises the the, the you know the, the the whole idea of the you know the corporate state and stuff. And they see through this. They they see these groups for what they are. And um, and they're they're doing grassroots work. They're out there talking about veganism. They're out there talking about abolition. I mean, what concerns me is that some of them then get attracted to these these groups that um, are also very confused. I mean, you know, you have like Direct Action for Animals, which is a very reactionary welfareist group. I mean, it's a group that has very very close. I mean, you know, uh, DXE does a lot of stuff with PETA. Um, you know, they, they, uh, I thought, to, well, I guess at some point we're going to have Wayne Shun on, um, on, on the show and, 
he and I it will... could be late August or early September, I think. Whenever, whenever Wayne would like to talk, I'd love to talk with him. And, um, you know, but, I mean, it's... A, it, and so they're getting attracted to some of these supposedly non-corporate, more uh, progressive groups. And, in fact, um, it doesn't get much more reactionary than, than direct action everywhere. And I'm looking forward to talking to Wayne again because I'd like to hear him... hear how he would respond to some of these things because I find that group... More and more troubling with um, the, the things that it's doing, but but I, I, I think I do think that, that things are changing, and um, and I've I've got a lot of reason for optimism, and you have a lot of reason. For oh optimism. sure, sure. Uh, you know we see we see things, good things happening all the time, and uh, well, I mean, just just look at in, in the vegan world, Daya uh, Daya Daya Daya, um, it, it was bought for three hundred twenty-four million dollars. You know, I mean, it's like there must be something. Uh, something valuable in, in, the, in the vegan food world. And so um, I, I have my, my strange idiosyncrasies that I might want to mention here right now in terms of products like this. For example, I, you know, I do want to support vegan restaurants or, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to support vegan businesses. Like, for example, if we talk about ice cream, you know, there's Nadamu, there's coconut bliss. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're only vegan ice cream. I, I, I don't want to buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. No, I, I, I understand, but, but, but the, the, pro, I understand, but that does, if Ben and Jerry's makes a, if Ben and Jerry's makes a, a product that really has no animal ingredients, you might not want to eat it because you don't want to support Ben and Jerry's because you think that they're insidious people. And you think that they're, you know, you think that they're cynical people who are capitalizing, um, you know, you think you don't want to, you don't want to support their company for a variety of reasons. And they may be very good reasons. Many reasons, yes. Right. But that doesn't mean the product isn't vegan. And it doesn't mean that people who eat the product are not vegan. That, this is the issue I was dealing with yesterday or Sunday, whenever it was. Um, it is... People were saying if you diet cheese is not vegan because it's been bought by a company that does animal testing, and the answer that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, we're not on the air, right? So I can use the the, the, the bad words right. or whatever. Yeah. But I can use George Carlin's words, um, and so that's just nonsense. And so so it, it is vegan. You can if you don't want to eat the Ben and Jerry's vegan ice cream, don't eat it. But don't tell people who do eat it that they're not vegan. That's nonsense because because. The, the problem with that analysis is if you say, well, Ben and Jerry's, that ice cream's not vegan because they're manufacturing all of these dairy ice creams and you're putting money in the pocket of Ben and Jerry, well, you're doing that when you buy a lot of these vegan products or you buy products, you know, you buy a product, you buy the, 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 the exclusively vegan company has got product in Whole Foods. So you buy, you know, you go to Whole Foods and you're putting money in the pocket of the Whole Foods people, which is an insidious corporation. This is the problem. The problem is all money is dirty and, and animal exploitation is pervasive. And you can't get away from it. I mean, once, once, you, once you get away from vegan defined as what's in the product, then there is no limiting principle that helps you distinguish, you know, what's okay from what's not okay. Because all of it involves exploitation. So yeah, I I will eat in a I will eat in a vegan restaurant. It, you know, if I have a choice between a vegan restaurant and a non-vegan restaurant, 
I will eat in the vegan restaurant. I don't eat much in restaurants generally, but I, I don't like eating, and I almost never eat cooked food in a restaurant that is not vegan. And so I will sometimes, if I know the people who own the restaurant, I will eat cooked food in a vegetarian restaurant. Um, there's an Indian restaurant that I eat at from time to time where they have dairy, um, but the chef identifies for me what I can eat, what I can't eat, and I know the people who own the restaurant, and they're, they're very careful, and, and so I feel more comfortable. But, but the reality is if I'm eating in the exclusively vegan, I was eating in a vegan restaurant, which I'm, I'm not going to disclose the name of because it's not really relevant, but it, 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 I was eating in a vegan restaurant that was owned by a guy who wasn't a vegan. So I'm eating in his vegan restaurant, and he's not a vegan. So I'm putting money in his pocket, which he's then using to go out and buy animal products. So, this is, so, so does that mean I'm not vegan? Does that mean if I eat in that restaurant, I'm not a vegan? The answer is, of course not. It doesn't mean that. And, and so this is the problem I have. So I respect, you don't want to eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream, don't, you know, the vegan ice cream, don't eat it. But don't tell somebody who does eat it that they're not vegan. You don't want to eat diet cheese because there's animal testing going on. That's fine. Don't. I don't know how the hell you drug. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you don't want to eat it. Don't eat it. But don't tell people who do eat it that they're not vegan because there's animal exploitation going on because everything that the people everything that they're eating, the people who are making the criticism, all of their, uh, everything they have, everything they're eating, if it's not grown in, on, on their property with ingredients that they've supplied, there's animal exploitation going on. That's the problem. There's no limiting principle. So, you know, I really believe there is no difference between diet cheese, where that company is testing on animals, and some company that manufactures frozen broccoli, but also manufactures frozen hamburgers and frozen chicken and stuff like that. What's the difference? What is the difference? You know, people don't I, I, want to... I, I, I would love to be really more of a purist, but everything does come to compromise. I, I buy organic hummus in Safeway. It's, it's a nightmare. Every time I go into Safeway, it's like, you know, go, going into... I mean, it's like a haunted house to me. So, and, you know, I, I just look at, you know, what I do, the, the strange things I do. I really like Amy's no cheese pizza, but I won't right. eat at Amy's restaurant uh, in Santa Rosa because it's not vegan. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't understand, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I try to understand myself sometimes. You know, but I, it's Bob, like, the thing is, it's not a question of a compromise. It's a question of, you can't compromise. You can't escape it. It's not a question of whether you can, I mean, the, the only way you can escape it is if, you go, if you get land and you grow your own food and you get, you know, you never, you never get anything in commerce, you never buy anything, and you produce all of your own food using ingredients that you generate or that you have complete control over. And that's the only way, that is the only way that you can guarantee that you are not part of the exploitative chain. Because no matter what, you know, that's, it's, it's not really a question of compromise, Bob. It's a problem of impossibility. And the only way we're going to solve the problem is by increasing the number of vegans. If we had a real vegan movement, if there was a substantial number of people who were vegan, things would be changing, and, and, and we would have fewer of these problems. But right now, 
you know, we've got most people eating animal products. I mean, so, so you buy, you know, so you say, all right, I'm going to make my own, my own, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy soybeans from a farmer and I'm going to make my, uh, you know, I'm going to make food or whatever. Well, the soybeans that you're buying, you're buying from somebody who's not, he's not growing them for vegans. He's growing them to feed the cows and, and other farm animals. So, you know, you're doing business with somebody who's producing food to make animals get, get, you know, put on weight so they can be slaughtered at the appropriate time. So, I mean, there's really no way you can get away from it. But you have to, we have to be clear that we shouldn't be consuming it. We should be educating people about being vegan because that's the only thing that's going to ever change this. And what's, the other interesting thing people don't seem to understand is as vegan food becomes more popular, we're going to see this. I mean, we're going to see things like diet cheese being acquired by some company. And so the more popular vegan food becomes, the more large corporations are going to want to acquire smaller corporations that are making vegan food. That so all the time, yeah. You know, I mean, and so, so do we not want, I mean, you know, I, 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 gee, I wish these corporations weren't doing that sort of stuff, but the reality is, you know, I, I live on Earth. I don't, you know, I live on planet Earth, um, and I don't, I, don't live, I don't live in, you know, in utopia. And, and the reality is that, um, you, know, you know, as these foods get more popular, you work, I mean, you, 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 I believe White Wave, which makes silk, has been acquired recently, oh, God, I think by Danone, which makes Dan and Yogurt. I think well, Danone. Silk, I mean, I, it seems like Silk years ago was acquired by Dean, which was a dairy. I think last year, I think last year, you know, you can't, can't up, you can't even keep up with these corporate acquisitions. But last year, I believe White Wave got acquired by Danone, which makes Dan and yogurt. So what are you going to do? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if you drink silk soy milk, which is vegan, um, you know, you're putting money into the pocket of Danone. What's the difference between buying uh, silk soy milk when Danone is making dairy products, or in the difference between buying diet cheese? Because the acquiring company does animal testing on pharmaceuticals, and the answer is there is no difference. And so you get these animal people who are who get sucked in by these single these single issue campaigns who say, well, you know, it's animal testing. And it says, okay, fine. What's the difference between animal testing and using animals, exploiting animals for dairy? What's the difference? But then you know you have a movement where you get people calling me up on your show, screaming at me because I say there's no difference between fur and wool and leather. And that we ought not to be promoting an anti-fur campaign, particularly given the sexism of the anti-fur campaign, but we ought not to be promoting the idea to people that if they're wearing wool or they're wearing leather, they're better people than the people who happen to be women most of the time who are wearing fur. And, you know, and you get people, I mean, you know, I, you do remember, it was on your show, I believe. I don't, I don't think it was another show I was on. I, a show I was on, and I think it was yours. Um, in which I was talking about the anti-fur campaign, elicited a call from this guy who, who um, was screaming and yelling at me and uh, uh, telling me that I was wrong and horrible and terrible and whatever. That, that, sounds, that sounds like my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was telling me that I was a horrible person because I was criticizing the anti-fur campaign. And, and um, you know, I mean, I get these, 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 these people who just like sort of can't, they just can't think very, very clearly. And they get very, very upset. 
um, because they've been taught that fur is, you know, fur is a bad thing, and they've been taught that it is a bad thing. But the problem is, is it's a bad thing like everything else is a bad thing, and by singling it out as a bad thing, you, you, by implication, are telling people that the other things, which are also bad, are better, and that's not a good thing. And, um, and so, you know, you have a movement of people who believe that there are all these, these distinctions which don't exist, um, and then they get upset when you call them on it. I mean, you should have seen the people who were upset with me about the animal testing thing, about saying the diet was vegan. People were, were I mean, a lot of people agreed with me, but there were a lot of people um, who got really, really angry, abusive. You know, I had to delete them from my page, and my moderators had to delete them because they were getting abusive. It's interesting. They never have any good arguments. They just basically, like, yell and scream and, and, and call you names and stuff like that. But, um, uh, uh, but I, I wonder if people make a distinction. They think, like, well, uh, people eat, you know, I mean, eating animal products is different from testing. They may think that, oh, testing is so unnecessary. I mean, I don't know what the... What, well, what but the, so, is, so is eating. So, so is it, eating, right. So is eating, but it's, it's so much more accepted, you know, that the well, eating I, is... Well, of course it's accepted, but so what? I mean, it's, it's so what? I mean, it's not a question of what is it, what, what's, what's accepted. It's a question of what's right and what's wrong. And, and, and you know, so, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in any way saying that animal testing isn't bad. I'm saying it's no worse than anything else. Right. No better, no worse than anything else. And I do not see the difference between a company that tests and a company that doesn't test but that makes animal products. I do not see the difference between a company that tests and a company that doesn't test, but that subsidizes or, or provides animal products to the workers in the, in, the, in the plant. I don't see any difference, none whatsoever. It's all morally the same. And the only way it changes is we move to a vegan world. And the only way that happens is by promoting veganism clearly. And it does not help to tell people, uh, if you eat Ben and Jerry's, vegan ice cream, you're not a vegan. You might want to say to them, you know what, I really wouldn't want to support that company because I really think they're a bunch of schmucks and they're, they're, they're basically taking advantage of, of, of people's concern for animals because they're busy exploiting animals. At the same time, they're trying to capitalize on people's concerns for animals, and I really think that's horrible. I don't really think you should patronize their business. Fine, don't. But don't tell people who do eat it they're not being vegan because <laughs> then you confuse the hell out of them. And fusion... I mean, if it's merited. But the confusion in that situation is not merited. It's not, it's not only not helpful, but it's not, it's not justified because whatever, you know, if you say to people in Jerry's because it is, because I, I don't think you should buy their products because, you know, they're, they're cynical people who are taking advantage of people's concerns for animals, fine. But how do you then distinguish Whole Foods? which sells the brands of ice cream or fake ice cream, whatever you want to call it, stuff. Um, the, the alternative d desserts or whatever, frozen desserts. Um, if you buy, you go to Whole Foods, and how are they any different from Ben's and Jerry's? Because they're selling that stuff because they're trying to take advantage of the fact that, that people care about animals, so they'll sell the products that are produced by the more vegan companies. But so, so how do you draw that line? So, so does that mean if somebody who eats Ben and Jerry's isn't vegan because Ben and Jerry's is, is taking advantage of people's concerns for animals while they're busy exploiting animals, and diet cheese isn't vegan because 
the testing that goes on in the on the acquiring company in the acquiring company. How do you distinguish those situations from Whole Foods, which is selling the vegan the vegan products, which are produced by the more vegan companies, but where they're making a huge amount of money selling that stuff, taking advantage of people's concern about animals. How do you how do you how do you draw a line? I, so does that mean anything anybody who buys anything at Whole Foods is not a vegan? I, I don't. I just can't get. My, I do not understand how. It, you know, it, uh, it, it really is an animal confusion movement. It really is. It's an animal confusion movement. And yeah, you know, I, and and I agree with you. You know, I I, I agree that uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, vegan ice cream would be vegan. I, I you know, and again, you're you're right. What bothers me in that situation is suddenly Farm is uh, endorsing Ben and Jerry's. So so Ben and Jerry suddenly gets off for all the dairy uh, that that it produces. And gets all this goodwill because it uh, throws out a couple of vegan flavors out there. So you're right; it's being upset with uh, the company and what it does and all of that. But the, if the ice cream is vegan, it's vegan. No animal ingredients. And uh, and actually, I think I, I learned something from you today because I thought cruelty-free meant no animal ingredients and no animal oh, testing. No, no, so, no, 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 well, no. As a matter of so, fact, I mean, really, you've got to read labels. You got you have to become an inveterate label reader. Um, and, and you know, and it's not that difficult. I mean, particularly if, you know, if you if you buy something where it's got so many ingredients, you know what the hell it is. It's probably not good for you anyway. You probably shouldn't eat it. But right. um, when you're buying like a, you got to be really careful with things like shampoos and and that sort of stuff because. A lot of those things will say cruelty free, and people think that means it's okay because you know it's not harming any animals. But you got to read because if it's got you know it, 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 it may very very well have animal products. Um, I mean, m many many of the personal care items will have two marks. One will say cruelty free, which means the, the product isn't tested, but then it'll say no animal ingredients. And so, you know, that, that, then at least if they're telling the truth, because sometimes they don't. Um, and, um, uh, you know, if they're telling the truth, then it should be a vegan product which hasn't been tested. But, um, but you know, yeah, and, but I do think, I think that there's, I, the number of really, I mean, of, uh, the number of animal people who believe that if something is tested on animals, that means it's not vegan and, and that using it means you're not being a vegan. That's just crazy. I mean, it's, it, but it's, it's pervasive. It's really pervasive. But then again, you know, the a lot of animal people see nothing wrong with wool. And I mean, I think I, I think I discussed on your show observing a, an argument between somebody wearing a wool coat and somebody wearing a fur coat. Um, and and um, it was a, it was a pea coat. It was a it was, it was what a it was a pea coat, a wool yeah, pea yeah, coat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of those those uh, blue. Blue, you know, um, yeah, and and um, and and you know, so you get animal people who really do think that there's a that there's a difference. When you know, when I I posted, you know, there was that woman who got killed, who killed herself, that um, Spanish woman who shot herself. Uh, she was a hunter, uh, you know, a trophy hunter or game hunter, whatever she was, and she shot herself. And everybody was, you know, all these. These compassionate animal people, I just, I just love them. You know, <laughs> the compassionate people. We believe in peace. We believe in love. Oh, I'm so happy she's dead. Um, and so they were busy celebrating her death. And I posted something 
saying, you know, I don't understand this. Um, do you celebrate when your mother gets cancer, when your non-vegan mother gets cancer? Do you celebrate her death? When your non-vegan father has a heart attack, uh, do you celebrate the heart attack? Um, and, uh, whoa, you should, have seen, you should have seen the responses I got on that. It's just amazing. It's like no, the people who disagree can't engage you substantively and say, well, let's talk about this. This is what I think, and this is what I think. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, oh, Francione, you're being divisive, you know, da, 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 da. and it's, it's, you know, the, the standard Francione is wrong thing. And, and um, but very little substantive discussion. But, but it, you know, we've got to learn to think through this stuff. Right. Because that's that, why that we're is, not... that, that's all thought provoking. I mean, it's really it's, it's it is it's thought provoking. You know what what you're saying. People should consider that. Well, I like to provoke thoughts, Bob. And with that, <laughs> I will leave, I'll leave you and Daisy to go on a walk and ponder these thoughts. We will we will do that. She's ready. So okay. All well, right. Thank thank you for another uh, thought provoking show. Thank you, Gary. We'll talk to you. Next thank time. you, Bob. Okay. All right, well, I guess that uh, does it for today's program. Thank you for joining us, and I invite you to support our work with a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. Remember, we are on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden, and we have Radio Bobby. I'm going to, uh, when I pull out the microphone and the uh, earphones now, I'm going to go plug in to uh, Radio Bobby at RadioBobby.com. Thank you for listening.